Hi, I'm basketball official Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining me today. It is episode 43 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Today's guest is Richard Brown of Perrysburg, Ohio. Richard has been a high school basketball official for 29 years, and that certainly is important for this episode. But this episode is really to help educate you on the life of an assigner. Uh, those who assign uh, basketball games, football games, whatever it might be. And what you can do maybe in your area to uh, make life a little bit easier on your league assigner and also help you maybe get some games also from that assigner. So there, there's some talk about some expectations throughout this podcast. A little bit uh, about Richard Brown. Uh, he's originally from Worcester, Ohio. And as mentioned, he lives in Perrysburg right now, uh, up in Northwest Ohio. So he is currently employed by Atlantic Emergency Solutions and is a regional account manager selling fire trucks and fire equipment in 17 counties in Northwest Ohio. Uh, He's also a firefighter in the city of Perrysburg and has been a firefighter overall for 25 years. He's a certified fire instructor Uh, teaching firefighting classes throughout Northwest Ohio. Great community service on his part. Uh, He's been commissioner of the Northern Lakes League for six years, overseeing 25 boys and girls high school sports. And included in those duties is assigning football and basketball officials. He's been married to his wife, Sadie, for almost 10 years. They have one son, Flynn, who is five years old. Um, He is also a member of the Wood County Basketball Officials Association, the Northwest Ohio District Basketball Officials Association as well. The High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast is solely sponsored by PQ2 LLC. Matt Kearns is the owner of PQ2 and has been an Ohio basketball official for 35 years. He's a member of both the Trumbull County, Portage County, and the Lake Erie Basketball Officiating Associations in Northeast Ohio. Matt is a great friend, a mentor, all-around great guy, and you can learn more about PQ2 LLC at pq-2.com. And just a reminder, this is episode 43 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick Podcast. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. And now it's time to hear from a signer and official Richard Brown. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to the High School Basketball Referee Podcast with Mark Fralick. And uh, real thrilled to take a different turn um, and and talk to some assigners and and get some perspective from their world. Um, uh, A lot of the assigners are also officials or were officials at one time. So, I'm thrilled to uh, be able to welcome Richard Brown here and uh, happy to have him uh, join us. He is the assigner for, as I mentioned in the intro, the Northern Lakes League, which is in Northwest Ohio. A lot of teams there, a lot more teams coming, and uh, he is a busy, busy man. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the opportunity. I've uh, caught a lot of the previous podcasts, and uh, it's always great to be able to hear other officials and uh network with them through your podcast so appreciate what you do thank you very much i appreciate that and uh before we get into the pregame though we do want to have a a little bit of a nice special advertisement from matt kearns and his company pq2 llc we'll be right back hey ref If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So in the pregame section, we kind of get to know uh, the official just like we normally do, and, and there's a few questions that I like to ask. But um, first of all, let's take a look at the season, a um, little bit of a season review this year. Talk about this season, if you would, and and as an assigner, uh, what kind of things have you seen that have been a positive 
and, and maybe touch on some of the things that need some work. Yeah. Um, you know, we're still battling the COVID issues and, and that's hard and here recently weather issues. So you combine the two and, and you've got the perfect storm. Um, I've been doing this for six years and I thought last year, you know, it couldn't get any worse than last year when we were in the thick of COVID, we were in the thick of restrictions. Um, but I was wrong because this year has been equally challenging or even more challenging. So, um, you know, th- th- there are good things that have come out of this. Um, you know, obviously everybody's aware of the official shortages, not only here in Northwest Ohio, but across the state of Ohio. And, um, you know, you're seeing guys step up and the majority of games are getting covered. You don't hear about too many postponements or cancellations because of that. And the world's tough right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have work restrictions and they're not able to get off as early as they used to for these games. And, you know, that's that's been the real problem this year is um, as employers have fewer workers, people are working longer hours and they're required to be at their real job and not, uh, you know, their their fun things like officiating. And uh, so that's been a real challenge. Um, but also, you know, there's things that we can work on um, because of those challenges. You know, I still don't think that a lot of people utilize the arbiter tool that uh, the way it was intended to be used. So yeah. you still send out games and you get uh, a lot of declines back for a lot of various reasons. And, and the majority of which I think are legitimate reasons, but um, you know, as an assigner, some of these come back and you, you just wonder, but, um, you know, if, if an official takes some time to go in and block their dates, um, it alleviates a lot of problems and frustrations from an assigner when they do send a game assignment out only to get it turned back in a couple days later with a decline, because that's just time wasted. And the way that we're, you know, changing schedules now, especially here with the weather situations and, and even some COVID cancellations, we only have a few more weeks of the season. So the window is getting smaller to uh, make up these games. So it's just, it's just vitally important that we utilize Arbiter as a tool and uh, keep those dates updated. Yeah. And I 100% agree, you know, as an assigner myself, when, when you have somebody that doesn't keep their Arbiter up to date and I'm, I'm just as guilty as a lot of guys, you know, there's, there's times when I forget to block dates as well, but when it happens on a consistent basis with the same officials, it is really, really frustrating. And um, I know you assign a lot more games than I do. Um, so I imagine it's really got you pulling your hair out. It does. Uh, but again, I respect when an official can't, can't officiate. I sure. understand that. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to, to not officiate. Um, and we're getting down to the point where we're losing officials and, you know, we got to count on the ones that we have. Yep. So, um, you know, you, but again, um, the majority of the responses that I get back are, Hey, uh, uh, sorry, I forgot to block that date or something came up and I hadn't had a chance to block that date. Um, but like you said, when you hear that consistently from some people, you start to wonder if they're really utilizing the tool the way it was intended to be used. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your officiating career. Um, why did you uh, decide to take up officiating and how did you initially hear about it? Yeah, um, you know, I started way back in high school. I, I played high school basketball, and there were some weeks where I was the seventh man, and there were some weeks that I think I was the 12th or 13th guy. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the end of that bench, and um, I got to watch a lot of high school basketball, to be quite honest with you. I love the sport. I love the game. I love high school athletics. And, uh, you know, when you sit down at that end of the bench, bench you can kind of uh, be chummy with the officials. And uh, I will never forget the uh, – one of the first interactions that I had with an official was, was a gentleman that I think a lot of people will know when I say the name, but Russ Pitts. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I grew up, I grew up down in Northeast Ohio, kind of in the Worcester area. And uh, Russ Pitts did a lot of our games. And I would joke with Russ on the sidelines and, and jokingly one night he said, you know, you ought to become an official someday. You'd be pretty good at it because, you know, I was questioning a lot of his calls and things that were going on. So um, I got involved with elementary school basketball back in Worcester and um, I would work eight games on a Saturday, um, even when I was a youngster in college. And um, that was good money back in those days, um, even to drive from the University of Toledo all the way back to Worcester and uh, get paid $20 a game. And if you worked eight games, that was a pretty good pay rate back then. So 
Um, but honestly, Mark, I, I had a gentleman that came to me during one of those elementary games, and he pulled me aside after a game. And it was one of those games that you, even back 29 years ago when I just really started this, um, you know, people were yelling at you. He pulled me aside and he says, hey, you're really good at this. Have you ever considered becoming a certified official? And I didn't know what that meant. And he had to explain it to me. And, um, you know, he said, take a class and become certified. And you can work some freshman and JV games and work your way up to varsity. And I think you got what it takes to maybe be a varsity official someday. So I came back to the University of Toledo, found a class over at the, uh, at the rec center and uh, became a certified official. And um, 29 years later, here we are still, uh, still officiating basketball. So it was that one person that, you know, a couple people actually that sparked my interest and led me down the path to, uh, to become a certified official. And how many years have you been assigning games? Uh, this is my sixth year. It seems like 362, but it's actually <laughs> six years. So. so what are some of the things we're in the pregame section right now? Um, and in all of your years, I'm hurt. I'm sure you've heard, boy, uh, multiple different pregames, but, uh, from your perspective, what are some of the things that officials need to be covering in their pregame? Well, I think it has to. It comes down to with how familiar are you with your with your partners. If you're working with the same crew or the same person, depending on the level that you're working at, you get a you, know, you get comfortable with them. And, and there's always things that we need to be talking about. Hey, plays from the last game, plays that we've heard about, things like that. But you know, we're getting into tournament time, and now's when crews typically get broken up. And, and you're working with veteran people that have earned their tournament assignments, and. Um, you know, it's important to cover all aspects uh, of the game. Um, you know, take the extra 20 minutes to, to have a good pregame, regardless of the level of the game. Um, you know, we've got an official here in Northwest Ohio. It's one of our interpreters. He has an excellent summary on pregame. And it's, it's a long document, but it's everything that those people and those officials need to focus on, especially as we enter tournaments. So, you know, the value of a pregame can't be overlooked. And, and I think it's, um, you know, hey, how are we going to handle that block charge? I think is a common topic. You know, how are we going to handle rotations? You know, watch your area. If you see something in my area, you know, how are you going to handle that? Um, all of those things are vital to a smooth operating game. And uh, we all know what happens if, if, if we don't have one of those pregames and, and then all heck seems to break loose. Yeah, exactly. Good point. And that is the end of our pregame. We are going to go to our first quarter in just a little bit. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. Our first quarter begins, and we're with Richard Brown talking about assigning games and uh, something that I think all officials can uh, listen from an assigner's point of view and uh, kind of get some ideas of some of the things that they have to go through. So our first quarter, uh, we're going to deal with some of those things. But first, I want to talk a little bit about how you got into assigning. <laughs> you know, some it's a thankless job sometimes, but yet it's still rewarding. But how did you get into uh, being the assigner? Yeah, so um, prior to being a signer, I was the secretary of a local association here in Northwest Ohio, and I did that for 10 years, and, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. I got a lot of enjoyment out of helping officials find games, become better officials, and, um, you know, we grew our association. Our membership almost, you know, almost grew by four times what it was when I took over, so that was very rewarding to me. Um, you know, as you get longer into your basketball officiating career, your knees start to hurt and um, you know, you're away from your family. And um, I, I've always wanted a, a strong connection with high school athletics. And, uh, you know, basketball was an avenue for that. 
but you know it was only one season and um I had an opportunity to interview for uh, for a commissioner's position for with one of the biggest leagues in Northwest Ohio, and I was encouraged by one of my basketball officiating partners at the time, Jeff Dever, who was a principal in that league. And um, you know, to me, it was just kind of the next natural progression um, to stay involved with high school sports because not only do I assign basketball officials, but I assign football officials. But then I managed twenty five league sports. Um, for both boys and girls. So, um, you know, basketball is a small part of what I do. Um, you know, I've got bowlers to worry about, gymnastics folks to worry about, track and field and, and every other sport. And it really keeps me involved. And uh, I appreciate that opportunity and uh, take it quite seriously because th- there's a lot of work that goes on to make all of those things happen. And I think if there's one thing that we've learned through the last two years with COVID is you know, the easiest part of what we do is playing games. And that includes throwing the basketball up and, and having that tip off and playing a game. That That's the easy part. It's it's everything that you have to do prior to that to um, to make sure the game happens. And, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take a good commissioner. It takes a lot of people to, to, to do all of those things. And I'm blessed to work with a great group that we're able to do those kind of things. What are some of the things that you learned about officials that maybe you didn't know before, uh, before you became an assigner? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that you learn quickly is there's two sides to every story. And, um, if there's, if there's ever a problem at a game, um, you know, you'll hear from the officials, but chances are by the time the official calls you, you've already heard from the athletic director (laughs) or potentially another administrator that was at the game. And, um, Again, you have to be respectful to both both versions of that story, and sometimes there's multiple versions. Um, but, you know, I, I think what you realize being an assigner is the vast majority of our officials do this to have a positive impact on high school athletics, and, and, and that's fun. Um, you know, I always realize as an official that you're a part of something, but I think from seeing it through the lens of an assigner, you look at officials and you respect the job that they do um, because I think a lot of people take it for granted, especially today. Yeah, no question. And kind of along the same lines of, of that questioning, maybe what are one or two things that maybe you didn't realize as an official, but quickly learned as an assigner? Um, well, yeah, there, there's a couple that could almost smack you in the face uh, right away. But um, I, I, I used to think as an official, um, that there were certain assigners that just didn't like me. And um, I, I now as an assigner, I, I don't think that's the case. I just think that assigners have a group of individuals that they feel comfortable with, um, and, and they utilize those people maybe on a more frequent basis. Um, and you have, to, you have to understand that when you're hired as a commissioner or an assigner or or both roles you know you you report to a league that expects a lot out of you one of those expectations is not to make sure that every official in your area is getting games and and you have to understand that there's a limited number of games i mean in my league i have eight teams right now we play 14 league games on the boys side and then the girls side so i need 168 officials for those 14 league games and, and right now in my arbiter, I have over 200 officials that I can choose from. So if you do the math, there's not even enough games for everybody to get one game. Mm-hmm. And I think as an official, when you're not getting those assignments, you immediately think it's, well, that guy doesn't like me. Well, it, it's not necessarily that they don't like you. It's that they're pulling from a pool of officials. And, and my job is to hire the best officials. Um you know, I, I like all of my officials, um, but I just don't have enough games to go around. And I think I didn't really understand that until I took over the assigner role and, and really got to see the numbers of officials that I needed and then how that all plays out. So that was pretty eye-opening to me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you find as an assigner, too, is that you've got officials who do both college and high school. Um, and what I've found as an assigner is that can be good. And that can be that, that can be not so good. You know, the, the college officials, they're pretty seasoned. Uh, you like what they do a lot of times, but those are the same ones that 
give you a call and say, hey, you know, uh, I can't do a game this Tuesday now because I got a college assignment. How do you handle that uh, when that happens throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, chances are the guys that are working at the collegiate level and also crossing over to the high school level are very good officials and you want them to be a part of your league. So um, I respect everybody's college schedule. And I tell all my guys, hey, if you have a assignment in my league and you need to get off of it, because of a college assignment. I have no problem with that, as long as I can find a replacement for you. And most of those college guys know their schedule in advance. I do the same thing with JV and freshman officials. If you have an opportunity to elevate to a varsity game, I have no problem with that whatsoever. But the first thing that we need to make sure is, do we have that game covered? And as we get a smaller officiating pool, that becomes more relevant to the discussion. you know, I, I think it's great that guys are elevating to the college level. Um, and and I, I love the fact that they still respect the high school game enough to come back and do it. So it is frustrating sometimes. But honestly, as long as you have enough advance notice, um, the nice thing about being an assigner in, in Northwest Ohio and particularly the Northern Lakes League, everybody wants to work basketball in the NLL. Um, and the reality is, is you've got people that, will work in your league and you can find them pretty easy. So, um, you know, I'm great, great for those guys that are elevating to college. As long as they can keep giving me some high school time, I'm all for that. So, yeah. And you want those guys in because like you said, those are really a lot of them are the the very good officials and you want those guys in your league because uh, you want the coach to see those solid officials in the league too. And, and the other thing about that is that you want to have those officials be able to help mentor some of the younger officials. So do you find yourself also mixing in those veterans with the rookies uh, in the games? Yeah, so because of the number of officials that I have that I utilize in my league, um, most of my league games are going to be the veteran people um, and the veteran crews. Um, Every now and then we'll pull up a a rookie or a younger official, but it's it's on a very selective basis Mm -hmm. just because the competitive nature of our league and the competitive nature of basketball in general. Um, what I like to do is utilize non-league games to kind of bring rookies in and then maybe put them with a crew that they're not familiar with. Um, you know, I think it's a great way to help rookies or younger officials become acclimated to the differences of a varsity game. Um because right now we don't have a good mechanism to make that transition from a two-man JV official to a three-man boys or girls varsity official. And there's a learning curve there. And, um, you know, I, I have asked to use three officials in our league at the JV level for a few years and um, haven't got the approval to do that for a variety of reasons. So if you're a younger official, um, it's important for me to not only see you work varsity games, but I'm going to utilize those non-league games to do that and put you with some veteran people. I think the one thing you run into right now is because of the number of officials um, going down, you're seeing guys that are elevating quicker to the varsity level. And, um, you know, I think that's good in some respects. But I think there's some pitfalls that we have to be very careful of um, because you don't want to put somebody in a situation that they're not used to or don't know how to manage. Because I think the vast majority of our class one officials are going to be very good at officiating the majority of the game. It's that that 31 minutes and 30 seconds syndrome that I call. They're going to do a great job. It's that 30 seconds where something crazy is going to happen. And they've never been exposed to something like that. And that's where I find that you find these younger officials getting themselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. And if that happens a couple of times, they they may get discouraged from officiating because some of those consequences have negative effects on an official. So I think you have to be very careful when you're talking about younger and how fast they're actually elevating before they get the opportunity to kind of work some games and and gain that experience. I mean, when I started, I I remember it, it it took me almost eight years to have a full varsity schedule. And uh, now you're finding guys that are working one in two years and and they're working varsity games or or bigger tournament games. And I think we have to be very careful with that. Yep. Yep. That is the end of our first quarter. We're going to go to the second quarter. We'll be right back.
A ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. In our second quarter, we continue our discussion with a signer and basketball official, Richard Brown. And uh, Richard, when um, when the officials uh, have to get off of a game, and uh, you and I know there's a variety of different reasons for that, and uh, like you had mentioned earlier, the majority of them are, are good reasons, but what procedure should they use uh, that can be helpful to the officials that are listening? Yeah, so I, I tell a lot of people there's three great reasons to get off a basketball game. Number one is family. Number two is work. Number three is God. Um, and outside of those three, you got to have a really good excuse to want to be, a, be <laughs> or asked to get off of a game. But, you know, I, I, I think every assigner ha- handles this differently. But so what I tell our guys is, hey, as soon as you know, let me know. Okay. And if you can have one or two people uh, as a possible replacement, great. But at the same time, if it's not somebody that I typically use, I might not be comfortable with that. So it's kind of a two-way street. You find a couple people, and then I'll go out into Arbor and see who's available, and we'll work through this. The problem that we've run into is here recently is, you know, people call at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to get off a 445 JV game or a 6 o'clock JV game or a 730 varsity game because they have to be at work or something's come up with the family or they were exposed with COVID. So it's a much quicker process. And I think if we've learned one thing in COVID, we've learned all how to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, just be honest with an assigner. If you have to get off, tell them as soon as you know. And, and sometimes it's not until the day of the game, but um, the more time that we have to react, uh, the less stressful it is on our part. So when you assign an official through Arbiter and uh, you get the decline on the assignment, um, are you looking at the reason why they can't do the game? In other words, uh, say you assigned a certain official three junior varsity games or three varsity games, whatever it might be, and they decline all three, and the reason that they declined it, it says unavailable or or commitment or something like that. Are you looking for something more specific or how can officials work that on the decline? Yeah. I mean, look, if you can't work a game, you can't work a game. And I don't, I don't need a, I don't need a long story as to why you can't work a game. But if you start to see a pattern, when you send out opportunities, as I call them, I don't call them assignments until you accept them or decline them. Um, It's an opportunity up to that point. Um, but if it's repetitive, then I start to wonder, you know, can I count on this guy? Does he want to work in my league? Does she want to work in this league? Um, you know, just be honest when you're declining. Um, you know, a lot of people double book. And, uh, you know, that's that's frustrating when you've made a commitment to an official and they don't uphold their commitment to holding dates. Because as a lot of us know, assigners assign two, three years out. So we're holding dates. Um so, look, if you have to decline, you have to decline. Just be honest and, uh, you know, be punctual about it. If you let contracts sit out there for three or four days, that, that's so aggravating to an assigner, especially in season. Um, because if, if you've got to make a change five days out and somebody sits on a contract for three days and then finally decides to tell you that they're unavailable, um, that's frustrating. And, that, and that's just more stress to, to an already stressful environment as an assigner. You know, things happen in games, and, and we tend to hear about those first. Um, <laughs> then anybody, whether it's an ejection, a technical, maybe an um, interaction with a fan that might should have uh, not been an interaction with a fan. Um, talk about some maybe interesting stories that you've received from officials after games. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's all predicated on what happened. And um, usually it's an interaction with a coach. And um, if it is a coach and there's a technical foul, like I said earlier, chances are you've already heard from the athletic director. Um, I, I don't know if there's ever been, you know, 
any any stories that stick out where I say, wow, that that's really interesting. But I think what you have to understand is assigners talk to assigners on a fairly frequent basis. So if something happens in a neighboring league, chances are we find out about it that night as well. And if something happens in my league, they're finding out about it as well. So again, you, you've got to piece everything together to see what really happened. The good thing is now we have huddle cameras in virtually all of our schools, and, and that's becoming a trend. Um, so it's, um, you know, I again, I appreciate when an official calls me to let me know that something went on. Um, I would rather hear from them um, than somebody else. And um, it, it's just it's just better that if an official can handle it that way, it's, it's going to be better for everybody involved. Absolutely, because <laughs> we know that when we hear from somebody else, it's it's never a good thing, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the 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 officiating network is is phenomenal, and uh, with cell phones and text messages yeah. and instant access to video, um, you know that night what happened in Northwest Ohio, not necessarily your own league, but Northwest Ohio, and um, you know I think the veteran officials will. Will, will relate to this that you know you you hear about those stories and the, you never want them to happen to you but you know we, we learn from them and um you know that's that's how the word travels today and it's a lot easier today than it was 15 years ago yeah no question i i know that i've after ball games uh, maybe on a friday uh friday night there's been times that we've gone out afterwards to the local establishment and and while we're having a conversation, I'll get a, a text message with a video clip from a game um, or or a, a notice that something happened during a game. So I'll go on to I'll go on to huddle and check it out. It's easily accessible. It's pretty amazing how quickly we can access those things. Yeah, we're, we're blessed in the Toledo area because we have a, a sports network that's run through a broadcasting group up here. And, and, and I have instant access to any of that video that I ever need. Yeah. And uh like you said, huddle. Um, I'm part of most of our coaches' huddle groups or, yeah. or huddle accounts, and um, you know I, I can go see stuff, and I can see stuff sometimes from two different cameras, whether it's a huddle camera and a broadcast uh, camera, and um, that helps. I mean, we had a situation a couple weeks ago here in the Toledo area where we were able to pull a couple of different films from a couple of different angles and break it down, and you know, understand exactly what happened. And, and that's beneficial. It's beneficial. You can use it as a teaching tool, the officials, um, you use it as a teaching tool for our administrators, um, the coaches, the players. I mean, it, it's just, it's just a better era to be a part of with, with the access to video that we have. Yep. Well, Hey, it's halftime right now. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go to the third and fourth quarters, continue our conversation about uh, assigning and uh, talk about basketball officiating as well, and also talk a little bit about our five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Well, welcome to our third quarter, and uh, we're talking with Richard Brown, and, and we talk about assigning, and you know, some of the things we want to do is build up our JV officials, uh, especially the ones that you want to have noticed, maybe. Um, do you find yourself assigning JV officials to varsity officials who can see them and, and give them some tips? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I talk to a lot of our guys that are transitioning. Um, you know, they, they express interest. Hey, I'm working in other leagues at the varsity level, and, you know, I'd like to work in your league. And I so I, I, I do try to get out and see them. 
again, with video, it's, it's a lot easier to do that now. But again, in-person evaluations are, are important. Um, and, and I like an official that will sit there and listen to the constructive criticism that you have. I think when we started out, Mark, we used to, we used to ride with our varsity officials as JV officials. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I worked with a guy and came up with a guy that I would drive 30 minutes out of the way to get to his house and we'd drive back an hour the other way. But it was so important for me to, to hear him and, and, and have him um, give me criticism or critique me or, or even, you know, give me some positive reaffirmation that I was doing well. Um, you know, there were nights where those car rides were long coming home because I, I, I couldn't get a word in edgewise because I didn't have a very good night. and He would tell me about it. But that's how I've learned. And, you know, we don't have a lot of that now. Um, you know, when I assign JV officials, I, I assign all my own JV officials. I don't require a varsity guys to get them. And I think very few leagues throughout Northwest Ohio or even the state of Ohio do that anymore. So we've kind of lost that. Um, the other thing that we've lost is, you know, you got a you got a crew that comes in and does a freshman and JV game, and um, they pack their bag after the game, and, and they get out and they go and do whatever they do. And um, very rarely will you see a, a, a JV official or a freshman official stick around and watch a, a higher level game to watch the varsity guys. So, you know, we've lost some of that, and um, you know, it's a sign of the times, and I understand it, um, but I think it's very important. Um, I, I love when when officials call and say, "Hey." I know you were at the game the other night. Do you have anything for me? And I always try and have one or two or three things. You don't want to overload somebody, but hey, the next time you're out, go work on this. Um, you know, work on your work on this mechanic. Um, work on not watching the ball so much when it's not in your area. Um, little things like that that can help them move along, I think, are a big part. The other thing is, you know, a lot of our varsity guys don't necessarily show up early to give evaluations because sometimes they, they don't know how they're going to be received. And, um, you know, it's a fine line, right? You don't want to, you don't want to criticize somebody or come across as criticizing, um, you know, and, and you're not sure how that person's going to take it. So it's one of those things that I think we've kind of lost over time. You still see it happen. I, I think on a, on a much, uh, in more infrequent basis, but I think it's so important if, if a varsity guy can, can, you know, get there for at least a quarter and say, Hey, um, you know, love the way you moved, but you know, when you're, when you're out at the trail, if you can close down, you know, you're going to see so much more. And those, just those little things I think are so important to the development of the next varsity officials that are going to be coming. Yep. And, and when you're working on varsity assignments in your league, what kind of things do you consider when deciding if an official receives a varsity assignment? And, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, I think in the conversation that you know, you, you kind of just get used to some of the officials that you you know already. But, yeah. say, but say you have uh, a new official or you've got an official who emailed you and said, hey, I'm available for varsity. What kind of things do you consider? Yeah, when it's, when it's that kind of person, what I'm looking for is, you know, what other leagues are you working in? And, and what, kind of, what kind of basketball is being played in those leagues? Because I think everybody will, you know, can, can look at any league and say, well, that, that league is really, really competitive and really, really tough. And, you know, some of the other leagues might not be as competitive. And, you know, you might see some other things in those leagues that you don't see in other leagues. So, you know, I want to know what your experience level is. Um, you know, if you've got your class one, um, a, league might, league, a league like mine is probably not going to be where you're going to cut your teeth. Um, and, and maybe that's because I was a basketball official and I'm, my, my standards are a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, I, I, I go out and I try and evaluate people. Another component that I use a lot is peer evaluations. Guys that you're working with at the freshman and JV level, do they like working with you? Do they call and say, oh, he's really good. I want to work with him. Um, because peer evaluations to me are critical. Um, you know, how are you going to interact if I put you with two guys you've never worked with before? So I, I love peer reviews. Um, I also, I also try to put myself in their situation. How are they going to handle those stressful situations? And when I go do an evaluation of an official, I literally try and sneak in the gym so they don't see me because if they see you, I guarantee they hustle every time they crispen up their mechanics. Um, they're sharp, but when they don't know you're there, you get to see the true official in that person. 
and, and I've seen some guys that didn't had no idea that I was there. And, and then they saw me there and, and, and the level of officiating completely changed, you know, just kind of going through the motions. Right. And that's easy to do. You're working your fourth or fifth game that week. Um, you know, it's hard. You know, we, we, we send a lot of these guys out and do double headers. So they're doing a freshman game followed by a JV game. Eight quarters of basketball can tire out a person. So, you know, I, I look at all that. I, I look at tournament sheets, you know, who's who's working the tournaments. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be a regional or district official. But, you know, are you in that pool of, of sectional officials on a consistent basis? Um, because that tells me a lot, too. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I, I don't assign people just out of necessity. I every, every assignment to me is, is an opportunity for somebody. And it's something that I take very seriously as an assigner, as I would hope the official would when they're working that game for me. So Absolutely. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, it, it really does. And I know one thing that popped up in, in my mind when you were talking, you talked about peer evaluations. And, uh, boy, that's one thing that I wrote down here as a note. The officials that talk about other officials, you hear that all of the time, don't you? Absolutely. And, 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 and look, they're, they're talking for a reason. If I, look, if you have one official that says, I won't work with Bill Smith because, you know, I just don't like Bill Smith, I get it. But when Bill Smith's name comes up repetitively, then there's probably an issue there. Um, because I think the vast majority of our officials are good at adapting to different partners and especially at the JV level, because you don't necessarily work with a crew at the varsity level. So many of our guys are working with a crew. And even if a guy is off for a night or two or for a week because of illness or whatever, you're going to bring in somebody that works well with your crew, but at the JV and freshman, at the JV and freshman level, you don't have that opportunity to work with consistently the same partner. So you learn how to get through that. Um, and I think, again, going back to pregame, that's why it's vitally important if you're working with somebody that you haven't worked with, you've got to talk before the game. Take a few minutes to talk before the game. Yep. And we talked earlier about advice, giving advice to some of the younger officials. Let's talk a little bit about veteran officials. You know, there's many veteran officials who still want that advice to improve their game. Is there ever a, a feeling that a veteran official can no longer change or improve their game at all? I, I think everybody can get better at anything they do. Um, I can be a better assigner. And every year, you know, at the end of the year, I, I look at not only my assigning duties, but the commissioner role and, hey, what can, what can I do better? And I think even our veteran officials, the guys that are working state tournament games, I, I think most of those guys – They'll even call me and say, hey, what did you see the other night when you're there? Yep. And, and, and usually the answer is, look, I, I didn't see anything. I said, you know, it was a good game. You're, you're <laughs> doing what you need to do. But every now and then, you know, I always say some people can always use a recalibration. And, and sometimes coming from an assigner or a commissioner or, or one of their peers can, can help them get them out of a rut that they may be in. So, um, again, I think our veteran guys are those guys that came up and they had those mentors at the lower level and they understand the value of that. And that's, that's what scares me with some of these younger officials that we don't have that mechanism in place. Yeah, that's a good point. What about your career um, receiving advice? Uh, how has that impacted you throughout your career? And I know you chuckle a little bit, so you must have some good examples. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I traveled my first five to 10 years with the same varsity official every single night. And we would go somewhere on a Thursday together and somewhere on a Friday and Saturday and um, without his guidance and without his, what I'll call tough love. Um, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today because it, it's helped me in everything that I've ever done, whether it's my professional career outside of basketball officiating and the commissioner role um, but it's also helped me be a better commissioner and a better assigner because of all of that. So, um, you know, basketball has given me so much. And, and that's why, even though some of these days are so hard because you just don't know how you're going to get out of some of these situations that have come up over the last couple of years, you can always go back to that time when somebody you know told you something and you and you and you you remember that message and it still carries today so it's just it's just vitally important i i even outside of basketball i think we live in a world where you know a lot of people like to tear people down it's 
but positive reinforcement and helping each other, I think, is so critical in our world today. That is the end of the third quarter. We're going to go to the fourth quarter. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. And in the fourth quarter, we are going to put our officiating cap back on and uh, go a little bit away from the assigner's role, although that might come up. But um, you've been officiating for a long time. What would you say, 29? 29 years. 29 years. So what's the scariest or weirdest thing that has ever happened to you on the court? Maybe uh, maybe it's on the court. Maybe it's off the court with a fan coach or player. But uh, maybe sit back and recall some of those some of those weird, scary things. Yeah, I'd love to have the uh, X-rated version of the podcast where we could talk about some of those interactions <laughs> with with coaches, players, and fans. Wait, so. there is an X-rated version? I didn't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's I heard that's season three. Season three, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the scariest thing that ever happened to me was uh, I was working at Sandusky Perkins in a boys varsity game, and. If you remember, they used to have these little clapper like valves or lids in the court where they would put the volleyball nets. Oh, yeah. I landed on one of those caps oh, no. and it popped up and came loose and stuck under my foot. And I slid my right foot slid what seemed like eight feet and my left foot was eight feet behind me. Oh. And there were things in my lower extremities that pulled and stretched that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> And I went down on the ground, and here comes the ball right to me. And I'm literally laying on the ground watching these kids come at me. And I thought I was going to die. I thought they were going to trample on me. I mean, there was four or five of them coming. And uh, I will never forget that. I had to leave the game for about a quarter and a half, not only to collect myself, but to make sure that things were still working properly. And um, it it was scary. And, uh, I'll never forget that. And and I went back to, I was at Perkins a couple of years ago and that, that, that cap is still there. Oh, and I, they, they're glued down now. Oh, that's good. Um, and literally there was a, there was an eight foot gouge in the court. I mean, they probably had to resurface that thing because it took the lacquer up off the court. I mean, it was just, uh, it was scary, but I'll never forget that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one thing you never forget for sure. No. Holy no. cow. So, um, You've got a really good professional career as well, and uh, I always like asking officials, how has basketball officiating um, helped you in your professional career? Well, look, we all do this because we love it, right? Yep. Nobody does this because they hate it. Um, you have to you have to like it a lot to, to do this night in and night out. I think what it's done for me is created a balance in my life. I have my professional life, but I'm able to turn that off at times and go work on league things or officiate basketball games. And it's something that I love to do. Um, I like the officiating part, but I love the ride to the game. I love to ride home from the game. I love the locker room talk and I love being out there with my guys. And, And that means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to officials all across the state of Ohio. Um, again, I think it's so important to have balance in your life. And nobody does basketball officiating at the high school level for a profession. Um, it, it's something extra in their life. And I, I think that's what people find is that this, if you really enjoy it, you, you make it a part of your life and it helps helps to balance out everything else. Look, you can have a terrible day at work and then you can go and officiate the best basketball of your uh, best, best basketball game of your life or vice versa. You can have the best day at work and then have the worst night of your life on the court. <laughs> Um, that's just how life is. And I, I, I honestly think that it's that balance that, that I'm so, that, that it, it just drives me. It really does. Yep. 
and and you talk about that balance and uh of course you have a family of your own so talk a little bit about your family that you have and uh tell us a little bit about how you've been able to balance that family life with your officiating and a signer's life uh, well i'm blessed because i i married a woman who was a a woman who was a high school basketball player actually in the northern lakes league and um She's a Northern Lakes League girl, and uh, she went to one of our schools and, and now teaches at another one of our schools. And, and without her support, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now. And um, we have a five-year-old son, and that's that's getting harder to leave certain nights of the week to go watch a basketball game or to go watch a track meet or a bowling match or things like that. But honestly, with without their support, I, I couldn't do any of this. And I will be eternally grateful for that opportunity. Um, but it's getting harder, right? The world is tough. Um, everybody finds comfort in being with their loved ones or, or friends. And um, it's important. And uh, the officiating can take away from that. Um, you know, I was talking to Brett Green the other night. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, he's a kid on the way and, um you know how in the winter it's 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 almost like we divorce our wives or our husbands you know it's um and 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 that's true because you're gone three four five nights a week and my gosh now that we're getting to the end of the season and we've got winter cancellation some people are going to be working six nights for the next couple of weeks so it's hard you got to have that balance because those people are your support system and like i said um they're number one when it comes to getting off games if you've got a family commitment man go do that because it's so important in the world right now man it's it's a tough world um but the one consistent good thing is family and we, and we got to keep that intact so no doubt about it and that's a good way to end the fourth quarter we're going to head on to our post game we'll be right back hey ref good game when a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest It can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So in our post game, just a few questions on the post game, but I want to talk a little bit about feedback after a game. We touched on that a little bit earlier. So um, I'm going to give you a scenario. So the game is finished. You're at home. You're in your cozy recliner. You're watching a whatever you want, the Rockford Files or whatever whatever it is on Cozy Network, and the athletic director or head coach calls you uh, about the officiating that night. How do you handle something like that? Yeah, so uh, I made that very clear early on. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take an AD's phone call any time of the day, any time of the night, and, and I don't think a lot of people understand the life of an AD. And, and one of the things I learned quickly was, I might be on the phone with an athletic director at 11 o'clock or 1130 at night, and then we're back on the phone at 7 o'clock the next morning. And that's just the life of an AD. When it comes to a coach, I, I've made it explicitly clear to our coaches. If we need to talk, let's wait 24 hours after the game. All right? There, there needs to be a cooling off period um, because there's a lot of emotion in basketball. Um, and I want cooler heads to prevail, and I want us to all think about it. The reality is I'm going to hear from the official. I'm going to hear from the athletic director. And if I need to hear from the head coach, that's one more piece to the story to try to piece it all together. Because, again, the story is probably three versions different at this point. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of phone calls the night of a game. Again, if it's from an athletic director, an administrator, somebody like that, that's different. That's probably a different situation um, that we have to deal with. But I think you have to be very careful with that. I think you have to be very respectful to the process. And I think that 24 hours kind of gives everybody a little bit of time to just cool off, think things through. Maybe go look at some video. Maybe they didn't see some things the way they thought they did. Um, and I think that alone alleviates a lot of conversations. 
Um, now, that doesn't stop the random texts on the long bus rides home when you've gotten drilled by 25 and you don't think the officials helped you out that night. But, um, again, uh, yeah, so I just, you know, I, I continue to watch the Rockford Files and uh, then we wait 24 hours. So. <laughs> so so conversely, you come home from the game and you and you see the highlights on TV and uh and they talk about something that happened are you are you calling up the officiating crew then uh the next day and saying hey what happened uh what kind of feedback can we get from this or are yeah. you okay yeah i'm not bashful yeah. about reaching out to our officials yeah. even if they don't contact me if i hear about something or i see something hey tell me walk me through what you did here um you know we we have a policy in the northern lakes league where if a fan is ejected um, they're not invited back to the next two games. And and those kind of things I like to follow up and understand, okay, why, why did you pitch somebody? Or why did you have an administrator pitch somebody? Or why did you stop the game in the middle and turn to the student section? You know, what was said? Because those are the things we can address. And, and we've taken a very uh, hard stance on sportsmanship in the Northern Lakes League. I mean, we have a sportsmanship definition. We talk to our student athletes about sportsmanship. We talk to our coaches about sportsmanship because it all ties back to a lot of different things, including the official shortage. So it's something we're very, um, we stress a lot of sportsmanship type things. So, you know, if I see something, I'm going to want to know about it. And um, so we have the opportunity to get it corrected. Um, you know, we've had some conversations in our league this year about fan behavior, just simply because last year we didn't have any fans and then everybody came back and some, some seemingly forgot how to act at, at, at sporting events. So we're trying to do our best and do our part to, to change that culture. Um, and again, that, that culture is a very small percentage of our culture, but it's the one that becomes the most easily seen because all of the negativity that goes with it. Yeah, and I, I'm going to bypass that last question, uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about that, um, uh, the work that you're doing with the fans. Uh, with uh, I th- you have a contract of some sort, don't you, or a, a piece of paper well, we, that goes? We, yeah, see, we have a letter that goes out to all of our fans, and and most schools utilize what's called final forms, and it's how they electronically send out all the all the waivers that need to be signed, any kind of. Um, correspondence that need to go to the parents and it's pretty quick and pretty efficient you know it used to be we would hand out pieces of paper and and you'd send it home with the kid and sometimes it would get there and sometimes it wouldn't so you know we have a mechanism to talk with our parents directly about these things Um, and they have to sign off on our on our policy that they understand it now that captures the adults that have kids what about the casual fan that comes well they're always surprised when they hear that they get thrown out and can't come back for two games, but um, they quickly, uh, they quickly realize their error. And um, it's been a good policy for us. It's, I, I think we've probably used it just under a dozen times in four years, but it's out there and people are aware of it. Um, you know, we also had a basketball official here in Northwest Ohio that recently sent out a, a very nice letter about basketball officiating and, and common mistakes with rules and, or common interpretations yep. of rules. And we had some athletic directors that took that as an opportunity to remind their fans, hey, look, we, we have an official shortage here. This problem is real. And if it continues the way it's continuing, you know, we might not have games on Friday nights. We might have to play games on Thursday nights because of the number of officials available. So, we have those opportunities to move that message along, and I, I take a lot of pride in what we've done. Um, we, we, we are not shy to talk about that. Um, and it's hard to go up in the stands and, and tell somebody, hey, stop acting like a jerk, um, because you never know how the other person's going to react. And, um, you know, that, that's probably the hardest thing that we still deal with is that interaction. But, you know, once they're pitched, man, that's um, that, that that policy goes into play pretty quick. And the AD calls them into the office at the, at the next opportunity and, and has a meeting with them and, and lays out what our expectations are. And because you didn't meet those expectations, you know, here's the punishment. So um, we're proud of it. I, again, it's not something we'd love to use. It's, thank God it's not something we use a lot of. Um, thank God no officials thrown out a complete student section because I don't know how we'd handle that. But, um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, look, we, we understand that we have a role in this. And, um, you know, you, you can't control what people do. But let's be honest. Um, 
and that's the hard part. But again, the vast majority of our fans, spectators, parents, they understand our expectations. It's, it's again, that small percentage that comes in and has to be the example for everybody else. Yep, so. No doubt. And that, I think it's a great uh, trend setting kind of uh, thing that your league is doing. That's, that's fantastic. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that is the end of our post game. We're going to go to our five quick decisions, which I'm sure you have some great responses for. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. Welcome to the five quick decisions. Mr. Brown, you're going to have some great answers on this, right? I got it, man. Okay, here we go. Oftentimes we're fed on these wonderful games. Um, it's getting less and less, but I think, you know, we've get, we've had some good stuff this year. I've had um, I've had some good pizza. I've had some good uh, popcorn. Nothing. I did have Chick-fil-A somewhere. But uh, let's let's see what you think. What's the best food you've had at one of your games? Yeah, so the couple stick out in my mind. Creamy chicken sandwiches is number one. If you if I know I'm going to get a creamy chicken sandwich after the game, that's going to be the best game I've ever had. I guarantee. <laughs> the other thing is because we live in Northwest Ohio and we have a lot of smaller schools that are in rural areas. Anytime the FFA or the band or somebody is having a dinner before the game. Make sure you go and get a plate and have them deliver it to the locker room for the ride home because, again, that's the best home-cooked food you are ever going to have. And in northwest Ohio, man, I don't care what small school you go to, if it's a Friday, Saturday night and that gym's packed and somebody's having a dinner before, that's, that's the food you want for the ride home. <laughs> I never thought of that. Now you've got, you've got my attention on that one. So good. Okay, follow up to that one. What's the best place that you've gone after a game and why? Uh, the best place after a game. Well, I, I don't know if it's any one specific place, but I love camaraderie and I love being with fellow officials. And any time I can get together with a group of officials that has worked at other places and you kind of conveniently meet at the centrally located spot, I, I, I just absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, we did it last week in Toledo here. And, uh, you know, we had probably, I don't know, 10, 15 guys show up, um, had a few beverages after the games and, and had some pizza and just caught up with each other and so it's it's really not where you go um but it's who you're with yeah. um and and look if you if you work a big game in a big city or a big town or not a big town necessarily but a big game in a small town and you hit the local establishment just make sure they won or those people aren't mad at you otherwise you're gonna have a, <laughs> you're gonna have a rough night yeah that's true <laughs> Uh, one rule in high school basketball that you could change, what would it be? Three seconds without a doubt. It's the most outdated rule in the world. I can't stand when I'm sitting up in the stands and somebody's yelling three seconds on a ball that's been passed in and out of the key 20 times. Um, I went to a junior high girls seventh grade tournament game to watch my niece the other night. And, and, and the people yelling three seconds at a seventh grade girls game was just appalling. I couldn't take it. I had to leave the gym for a quarter. So get rid of three seconds. <laughs> okay. As an assigner, what's the weirdest, funniest excuse you've heard from an official for either getting out of a game or declining <laughs> a game? <laughs> I said early on in my career, I would be able to write a book when I'm done being an assigner and commissioner someday. And then we got into COVID and I'm honestly convinced at this point I can write a mini series every season. Okay. Um, and, and this is one of the questions, the best excuse that I ever got for a decline was I have to take my wife's poodle to the spa. <laughs> How can you argue that? Right. That's family, right? Yeah. So, send pictures though. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you get the standards, unavailable work, um, all of that. But 
again, I think most people are honest when they have to decline a game. But yeah, there's 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 always that one person that wants to try and be funny about it. So I, I like when I get game assignments from other assigners because I'll I'll make up the worst excuses in the world just to decline the contract <laughs> because that that's a signer's humor is what that is. So. <laughs> All right, last question. What's the funniest thing that a player, coach, or a fan ever said to you? Uh, is this the X-rated version? <laughs> I don't care. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was working a game in the Toledo area. I won't name the school or the coach. But late in the third quarter, it was a really close game. And um, he called me over and was very red in the face and looked me dead in the eyes and said, Richard, Terry Weimer would never call that. And I looked right back at him and said, Terry Weimer would never accept a game that pays him $70 on a Friday night to work and watch this stuff. He looked at me and said, you're right. Turned around, went and sat on the bench and never said a word the rest of the night. And, uh, I thought that was, that was pretty funny. That's the so. best response. That is. <laughs> For those who yes. don't know, Terry Weimer is a Division One college basketball official. If you if you don't know, but that's uh, he's from Ohio. Yeah, he he he's not going to work a, uh, <laughs> a a small school Northwest Ohio game for seventy bucks, but uh, he's well on his way to to. He's had an um, an amazing career. He really has. So. Yep. He really and got to start right here in Northwest Ohio. So. Yeah, uh, you know it's uh, there's a lot of great great officials that come from out this area we talked about college officials and this is a great place to start so there is we're absolutely. Real excited. yeah well uh richard thanks for taking the time to join me today this has been a great uh, great hour that we've uh, spent here and, and hopefully it's been really educational for a lot of people getting uh, a look at an assigner's point of view and and uh, uh, thanks a lot for for doing this and best of luck the rest of the year yeah appreciate the opportunity good luck to everybody down the uh tournament trail here it's uh, always exciting over the next five six seven weeks whatever we have from an assigner standpoint i think we've got three more weeks of league basketball and then where you don't have to worry about declines or cancellations <laughs> or anything we get to go enjoy some tournament basketball it's always exciting here in the state of ohio yep i agree all right thanks thanks a lot appreciate it thank you and that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.